It's the boy, Bubba, let's come in through Ella Clutch, flawless, can't be touched It's your boy, Bubba, let's Yeah, I need that hot take I need the truth and everything that is not fake So tell me What's going on, Bubba Bunch? And welcome back to the Bubba Lutz Sports Podcast It has been a hot minute Look, guys been a, a challenging week to say the least as you can see lights are on computers on everything's working properly got the tv on we got power back in texas it's been a rough couple days an hour with power an hour without had to download some movies watch it while the power's out it's been a struggle to say the least and to not have whataburger at your disposal at any moment really fucks up your brain But we are here. We are striving forward. I hope you're doing okay wherever you are. And if you're in Texas, El Paso, DFW, whatever. Whoever's listening to this podcast. I hope you're safe. I hope you're doing well. But just stay safe out there, guys. Stay safe. Take care of yourselves before anything else. And I'm glad that we are back together once again to talk some sports. Now, I'm going to be honest. I haven't been in the loop that much because when I'm on my phone, I barely get any time to look at at sports updates, sports news. But the one thing I've been following is JJ Watt releasing him late last week. He's trying to find a destination. And the whirlwind of thoughts going through my mind it's it's just fantastic. I'm I'm enjoying the possibilities and the 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 imagination is running wild of where he's gonna play next year after an amazing career so far with the Houston Texans. Now the Houston Texans are in in shambles right now. They're eventually gonna get rid of Will Fuller very soon. Deshaun Watson wants out. They don't want him to be out, but we don't know where he's where his future lies. But I don't think it lies in Houston, but somehow the management and front office thinks it does. Anyways, let's. I, I want this to be a quick little podcast because there's really not much else to talk about. We're in that post Super Bowl depression. You know, Tom Brady's doing what he does, celebrating. That was a fun parade to to watch, especially him throwing that Lombardi Trophy. But. It's really been about J.J. Watt when it comes to football. I know i got to get more into basketball this season. You know, I haven't been really watching. But uh, hopefully soon we, we get into the mix of the NBA and maybe talk some more about that before the playoffs come around. Now, before anything else, I hope you're having a wonderful day. Except if you're a person that turns on the shower... And doesn't let it heat up. You just immediately walk into the shower. You are a psychopath. And I don't wish you a very good day. Now, let's back. Let's get back on course. Um, ladies and gentlemen, 95 subscribers on YouTube. We're over 2,000 listens on all audio platforms. And th- this last week of not doing a podcast, you know, with the new job and with, with the winter storm this week been it's it's been killing me man it's been really killing me because i want to do something but to take that risk of the power being able to go out in, in the middle of the podcast i don't want to take that risk so now that i've had power all day i feel comfortable doing this now 
bearing any or barring any just tragedy that they just turn off the power at 9.48 p.m., we're going to be fine. So, briefly, let's just talk about J.J. Watt and where he could potentially go this offseason. Look, every fan base is going to look into this and say, he looks great in blank uniform. He's going to Photoshop J.J. Watt into a Denver Broncos uniform or a Tampa Bay Bucks uniform. It's it's just the creativity of the NFL and its fan bases. But let's look at the obvious selections that could fit best for J.J. Watt and why they would work so well. And we're going to look at some that maybe I don't think are the best options for him. Because you don't want to find yourself in another terrible organization that's going to waste the years of dominance that J.J. Watt has had in the NFL by going somewhere else and finding him back to home, basically how he was in Houston. But the the few names and the few teams that really stand out to me are, I, I guess you could say obvious ones, but the first one just makes all the sense in the world because of the situation there. And it's a good organization, not a Super Bowl contention organization. And I don't know if J.J. Watt fills that hole that could potentially get them over the hump. They're in a some sort of readjusting year now with their quarterback situation in the air. But Pittsburgh makes a lot of sense for J.J. Watt. And of course, it's going to mean that he's going to team up with his brother T.J., who was a highly controversial runner-up to the Defensive Player of the Year behind Aaron Donald. Stats say that T.J. Watt should have won that award. I agree that he should have won the award. Look, I'm not going to disagree that Aaron Donald is the most dominant player in the NFL defensively and one of the scariest dudes on the planet. It's tough because every year you could say that LeBron should win the MVP in the NBA, but yet there are some years where when it doesn't go his way, we're looking at like why the stats fit more to LeBron and... Then we make the argument of like, well, we know he's the best, but let's give some other people some props. I feel like this is the type of year to say that about Aaron Donald and TJ Watt. Look, Aaron Donald is above anybody else, the most dominant defense player in all of football. And for a short time, JJ Watt was that player that even if he didn't win the award, we all knew that he was great and he was award winning caliber of a player. But we let it slide because we were like, well, this player, like, we can't give it to him every year. And I I get it. I'm fine with Aaron Donald winning it. I disagree with it. But agree to disagree at the end of the day, right? So back to my point of Pittsburgh, J.J. Watt. Look, T.J. Watt is going to dominate this league alongside Aaron Donald for many, many years. And to put him on one side, put J.J. Watt on the other, that defense goes from one of the most efficient, most high turnover margin rate, whatever, teams in the league, the most fearful defense in the league. But for me, for a guy like J.J. Watt to say, I'm willing to get a friendly team deal in order to play with my brother, to play with a great defense that I will elevate even more, and an offense that has all the potential in the world, 
if they can figure out their quarterback situation. Like their offense was really good for 11 weeks. For 11 weeks, they were they were the most explosive offense in the NFL. And past week 11, something changed for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't know if it was cockiness or teams finally figured them out. All in all, they are still a good organization with a lot of potential, a lot of talent. And J.J. Watt only adds to that. He only elevates that even more. So to say that at the end of the day, he will go to Pittsburgh to play alongside his brother, which we've never really seen at that level. We've seen the McCourty brothers in New England. We've seen it before. It's not like it's an impossible thing to do. But think about the potential of the numbers that the Watt brothers can put together. Because we've seen, like, they're not even brothers biologically, but Preston Williams or Preston uh, Smith and Sedarius Smith in Green Bay, look, the, those two brothers are really fun to watch, right? They had that amazing year two years ago, and they put up numbers because they were just the the most dominating edge rushers in all of football at that time. So think about that. But now with the level of talent that the Watt brothers bring to both sides of the line. I'm, I'm a fan of that. I would watch that. I don't care. It makes that AFC North even more interesting because we know that Baltimore is going to be great because they have Lamar Jackson. They have a good defense. They have a good coach. If Lamar Jackson can develop his arm a little bit more, that'd be great. But we know that they're going to be a run first team. And most of the time that is dominating in the NFL. Then we also have the Cleveland Browns, who are going to be even better next year, second year under Kevin Stefanski. Their defense is going to be better, and their offense, once they get rid of Odell Beckham Jr., let's see what they do with the wide receiver position. But I love what they have intact right now, and it'll only get better with time and with experience. Then you have the Bengals, who they're not going to win many games, but at least they can be competitive in most of these games if Joe Burrow can come back from that knee injury fairly well. They can beef up that offensive line, at least get it competent enough to protect Joe Burrow at some level. Bengals, we saw them beat the Steelers on that Monday night game. They have something. It may not be anything, but at least it makes it competitive. So now with the Steelers, who were great through 11 weeks, they were bad through 7 weeks at the end of the season... They, they are still in the hunt for that divisional title, and they can be a wild card team in the playoffs now with seven teams in the playoff. But they're going to make that division even better. They're going to make the AFC more competitive, which I'm a, a huge fan of, and I expect to happen with the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Bills, the Browns. You can name all these teams, Miami Dolphins as well. So, like, the AFC is going to be really fun to watch. So why not put J.J. Watt on a bad AFC team with a good AFC team and see what he can do with his brother alongside him? I think it would be fun to watch, and it'd be a nice, wholesome story. What if J.J. Watt just wants to ride off on the sunset and play his last few years in the NFL because he has been building up a lot of injuries throughout the years? How about we see him finish off his career alongside his brother, put some big numbers together, and break some records, then he retires with or without a Super Bowl ring. Now, another team that comes to mind, and we don't have to go far for this one. It's in the same division, and it's actually a team that J.J. Watt has come out and said is seriously considering about going. It's the Cleveland Browns. Now, like I just said, guys, an already good team could be a great team with another great pass rusher and... You can basically 
fill that same storyline in Cleveland. Miles Garrett is going to dominate this league. He was third or fourth on the rankings for best defensive player and defensive player of the year for that award alongside Aaron Donald, TJ Watt. And a guy that has won this award multiple times in JJ Watt. Wouldn't you want to see JJ Watt take Miles Garrett under his wing, learn a lot of other things that they can do together? I'm saying, man, that this Browns defense is going to be really good next year. Really fantastic. Their secondary is already solid with Denzel Ward leading the way, but they will get Grant Delpit back next year. Don't know about Andrew Sandejo, whether or not he will be done after this offseason. But if you have Sandejo, Grant Delpit, who's coming off that injury that plagued him the, the entire season, I l- really enjoy Grant Delpit in college. I thought the Cowboys should have gone after him, but... For him to find his way to Cleveland, I think it's a great fit alongside Denzel Ward and Sandejo. And then you have that defensive front led by Miles Garrett and a lot of great guys. But J.J. Watt brings a level of intensity and and really distracts an offensive line with the amount of attention he needs to bring to wherever you place J.J. Watt. You already have to do enough for Miles Garrett. So why not add J.J. Watt to that if you're Kevin Stefanski? You're an offensive-minded coach. So you're like, this may not be my expertise, but I do know that J.J. Watt will dominate if he is alongside Miles Garrett. And I don't want to see that happen in Pittsburgh. If Kevin Stefanski has any idea about winning football games and wants to win a divisional title, get himself back into the playoffs once again, and maybe even reach farther than when he did this season, you need to bring J.J. Watt to Cleveland. You need to do it because it's either him, it's either Pittsburgh, or it's another AFC AFC team that I'll talk about in a second. But you do not want your rival that is probably your best best competition alongside Baltimore, but I think Pittsburgh beats them out depending on what they do with their, their quarterback situation. You need to get J.J. Watt and convince him, don't go play for your brother. Don't go play and and wreck havoc on this league because we know you'll do that in Pittsburgh. It's bound to happen, and we'll see a steel curtain once again in Pittsburgh. I need you to come to Cleveland and believe in us because we have something special here. You got to set the pitch right. You got to sell him. You got to sell him because it's easy for him to just go to Pittsburgh. Oh, TJ's there? Why not? They will make it work, and he will make it work because he says that he is making a friendly deal to the team in order to play with his brother. The Cleveland Browns don't have that luxury. So if you tell him, I get it, it's very easy for you to go with your brother, stay with your bloodline, and and you know what the potential is there. But just know that what we're building in Cleveland is unlike any other. And your veteranship, your expertise, the things you can bring as a leader to this locker room is unimaginable to the human eye. Even Kevin Stefanski can't express how great it would be for J.J. Watt to be the leader of this organization and build something great in Cleveland, which we all want to see. We all loved seeing them make the playoffs and get a win in the playoffs. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) It may not go as far as them winning the Super Bowl, but just imagine what it could be if now Cleveland set by the example of J.J. Watt to say, this is a tourist attraction. Joakim Noah, I'm sorry, you're wrong, but what's so good about Cleveland? They got J.J. Watt. They got Miles Garrett. They got Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb. 
This is a place to go if you want to win. J.J. Watt can set that example, and he can lead the way. Unfortunately, if that doesn't happen, I think it finds its way to Pittsburgh. But Kevin Stefanski, you have the pitch. You have it right there. You have the same dominating numbers you can have with T.J. Watt, but now it's with Miles Garrett. And you can sell the potential of that defense by saying that your secondary is going to be really good. Your front seven is going to be good. And believe me, we're going to run the ball a lot. And it's going to be successful to the point to where you really don't have to be on the field that much. So when you are on the field, you're fresh. You're ready to go. And you don't have to be as banged up as you used to in Houston. We have a great offensive line here. We have a great organization that has a great front office that is making great moves. Wouldn't you want to be a part of that and lead the way 20 years from now? And when we look back at the success of the Cleveland Browns after just a terrible first 20 years of the the 21st century, and you alongside Miles Garrett, Baker Mayfield, Kevin Stefanski can be the poster boys and the Mount Rushmore of the Cleveland Browns history. That's what you got to sell on him. And I'd be super excited to see the Cleveland Browns get another superstar and, and wreak havoc on the AFC like I know they can next season and really prove that that defense is something to, to not ignore. I mean, they are going to be really good next year if they add J.J. Watt to that. Uh, I'm a big fan of J.J. Watt to the Cleveland Browns. They have the money for it. They have the team for it. They're building the right things. They're setting the foundation Ryan Cleveland. J.J. Watt would just add on to that. So I'm in love with that. Another name, like I mentioned, just another AFC team, is the New York Jets. Something about Robert Sala just gets me riled up. Gets me thinking that there might be something going on in New York that we are not expecting. I love Robert Sala. I think he brings an energy and a just a aggression to football that is needed in New York. The the idea that Dan Campbell is trying to set in Detroit by saying we're gonna break some kneecap or eat some kneecap, whatever you uh, you're gonna go like one in fifteen next year. I think what he's trying to portray is exactly what Robert Sala does. And what he did in in San Francisco with his defense. But what I think he will do in New York, he just doesn't express it. He does it with his actions. He does it with his team. And I think that there's going to be a nice bounce back year for the New York Jets after going 2-14 this past season. Finally getting rid of Adam Gase. This is a new start for this Jets team. And I felt like that hunger and that, that fight that they desperately needed came came really nicely in that last month of the season. You know, they played well in those two games that they won against the Rams and the Browns. That Rams game really showed what they have. They may not have the superstars for it, but they, they have some fight to them. And I think that the New York Jets can make something out of that with Robert Sala. And to bring a guy like J.J. Watt to that defense that is in desperate need of a superstar on that side of the ball... I would love to see the dynamic of Robert Sala and a leader like J.J. Watt come together. I think that would be a nice pairing to watch. And the development of that team as we go through the season, it would be really nice to see. Like, Think about Robert Sala and what he's been able to develop these last few years. With great leadership veterans 
and, and great talent like Richard Sherman, like Solomon Thomas, Nick Bosa, Kwan Alexander. He's worked with a lot of talented guys. So why not add to that resume J.J. Watt, a guy that is in desperate need uh, of a new fresh start? And why not build something really nicely in New York with Robert Sala that we we maybe see reminiscence of what Todd Bowles was building a few years ago when he was the head coach, and I felt like he was a little too early to leave. Maybe Robert Sala can bring that to the table, and who knows what they go with in the draft. Now, I'm not against giving Sam Darnold one more shot, but if you, let's say, trade him to Indianapolis or Pittsburgh, I think it's a good decision because you'll get something out of it in the draft and maybe you go after Justin Fields, maybe Trey Lance, maybe Zach Wilson. There are some good options. I don't think it's great options compared to Trevor Lawrence and free agency wise. Heck, if you can get Deshaun Watson, hey, I'm not against that because now Deshaun can re-team up with uh, J.J. Watt and they can do what they were supposed to do in Houston, but the organization failed them. So now with a better organization that actually knows what they're doing now with the hire of Robert Sala and plenty of cap space to work with, get Deshaun, get JJ, maybe even go after Will Fuller, rebuild the Texans just up north and make something out of it. I think Robert Sala is a tremendous coach and I'm really excited to see what he does in New York. And to bring a leader like J.J. Watt to that locker room is going to do wonders for him in his first year as the head coach. Um, is there other names that, that can pop out? I mean, I would like to see him in Miami. I think I think they, they already have a, a great defense, but adding another guy like J.J. Watt would be nice. I don't think the money is there, though. Um, De- DeAndre Hopkins has, has come out and said, hey, you know, we have some unfinished business. Why not come to Arizona? They desperately need a playmaker on defense. I know I love Buda Baker. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong, people. Buda Baker is a stellar safety in this league. But you need that pressure up front, which I don't think they have right now. And Isaiah Simmons hasn't really worked out in their favor. I thought he would be the Swiss Army knife slash playmaker that we saw in college. But maybe an experienced guy like J.J. Watt can just bring some sustainability in that front seven and that front line to make it at least more, I guess, time friendly for, for Kyler Murray, because I feel like he has to over achieve and he has to overscore everybody with some ability to stop uh, an offense. If you're the Arizona defense, that, that's going to be the worry. That, that's going to be the demise of Cliff Kingsbury is he's going to end up the same way he did in Texas Tech and any Big 12 coach does is that you build a great offense that's you know just very high-paced and, and explosive, but your defense just can't get it done when you need it the most. If you bring J.J. Watt to Arizona, at least you have some potential of that or, or some comfortability in that. But I don't think Arizona is the right choice for J.J. Watt at this point of his career. Now, let's just talk about the elephant in the room, the possibility that he can go to Dallas. I think this is a lose-lose situation for Dallas and J.J. Watt. Either way you look at this, I don't think this ends up being any good or ends on, on a happy ending for either side. When we look at the J.J. Watt side, 
if you end up going to Dallas, you automatically become the best player on that defense. That is a blessing and a curse at the same time. There are many things wrong with that defense. And under the first year of Dan Quinn and a personnel that needs just a whole bunch of work, and we still, we don't know what it's going to be like personnel-wise for the Dallas Cowboys. I'm going to do a different episode talking about what the Cowboys need to do this offseason. It may be this week, it may be next week. I just got to figure it out. You know, I, I got a lot of ideas for episodes, but I'm going to talk about what they need to do this offseason. And one of those is just clear the room with that defensive personnel. They need to get rid of a lot of guys, and they need to do a lot of things. They need to be very active in free agency. Does J.J. Watt take up that role of high priority number one? I don't think so. I think adding him would be really nice. It would be a much better move than what you did last season with Deion Terry Poe and Gerald McCoy. I see a lot of potential in that defensive front for the Cowboys, but also it's Dallas and they just bring a lot of false hope. So having him alongside Demarcus Lawrence might be what they desperately need. I, I've been saying this nonstop for the last, like, I would say, three or four years, man. But that defensive line, the last time it was great was when Demarcus Lawrence and David Irving were together. And that was, was that the 2016? That had to be the 2016 year because David Irving has now found his way back into the NFL, but he was out for a couple years. That 2016 year, rookie year for Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott, that was a year that a lot of people don't talk about. And I feel like it's not given enough credit that David Irving had a, a, sh a show out. Like, I mean, he just had the, the, the shooting star of a season. Like, it, it came and you loved it. It was beautiful to watch. And then it was gone within a year or two. I thought David Irving was more important to that defense than Demarcus Lawrence was. And it wasn't because I think that David Irving is more talented than Demarcus Lawrence. That's not what I'm saying at all. Demarcus Lawrence is a fucking talented guy. And he is very important to that defense. But I thought that the role that David Irving played on that team was highly, I mean, not even close. It was more impactful for the Cowboys' success than Demarcus Lawrence was because he stopped the run. He was just so lengthy, so strong and freakish in the way that he played football that he would stop the run, but he also get tremendous pass rush. And the way that he used his limbs as far as batted balls and deflections, it was unlike anything I've ever seen in a Cowboys uniform. And when he left, you saw the demise of that that rushing defense for the Cowboys. You saw immediately that they could not stop anybody on the run. And that was the impact of David Irving. Before that, we have to go way back to the 2010s, uh, 2010s era of like DeMarcus Ware before all the injuries and before he moved on to Denver. That was the last time that we saw any presence on that defensive line. So... To bring a guy like J.J. Watt alongside Demarcus Lawrence, Gerald McCoy, hopefully he comes back to play for the Cowboys next year. I know that there's been mutual agreement that he would like to be in Dallas next year. If they keep Randy Gregory, if they keep Alden Smith, which I don't agree with, but I can understand, this defensive front can be what they expected it to be last year before the season actually started. Now, Jim Tom Sula, the fact that he couldn't do anything with that defensive front, shocked me. 
But the one thing that really came together nicely and it showed that there is a future in Dallas uh, outside of Demarcus Lawrence, outside of Alden Smith and Randy Gregory, was Neville Gallimore. That guy really came together nicely toward the end of, of that season. And I am super excited to see what he can do in year two because we also have Tristan Hill, who, before the injury this past season, showed a lot of growth and maturity at that position. So now we have some depth at that defensive front. And only adding J.J. Watt will, will just be great. And no matter what, I keep saying this with any team, that he will make that team better. Not just for the position, but for the entire defense. It's something that the Cowboys desperately need. Do they go after him? I don't think so. I, I really don't think at the end of the day, this is the best move for the Cowboys. Now, for, for J.J. Watt, I've been saying nothing but positive things, but I'll end it on this, is that the questionable personnel and the fierce year under Dan Quinn, we still don't know what this Cowboys defense is all about. It's no longer Hot Boys. It's no longer a young, fast team. There's a lot of problems with this defense, and... It's going to be better than what it was in Houston. I will say that because Houston's defense has been just absolutely terrible. It's been one of the worst in the, in the NFL. So it will be better than Houston. But is it a massive improvement? You may go from like 30th-ish to like 20-ish. Do you really want to do that when you can be way better off with a great defense in Pittsburgh, a way better off defense in Cleveland, or in my opinion, a New York Jets organization with a defense that could possibly beat out the Cowboys defense next year. So for me, it's just, I get it. It's the Dallas Cowboys. Anybody's going to be attracted by that. And not going to lie, JJ Watt looks really nice in a Cowboys uniform, but I don't see it going that way because if you're chasing a ring, Cowboys aren't it. They're, they are just not ready for it. If you're looking at the Cowboys side, well, Bubba, you're saying that like JJ Watt would massively, massively improve this defense. And it solves a lot of issues on that defensive front. You have some depth at that position, understandable. And if you can't cover anybody in the secondary, well, at least you can get to the, the quarterback and, and stop the run if you have J.J. Watt. 100%. I agree with you on all of those points. And not going to lie, if you want to sell me on the fact that J.J. Watt will be a cowboy next season, go right ahead. But guess what? The one problem I have with the Dallas Cowboys signing J.J. Watt is this sends a horrible message to Dak Prescott. Think about it, guys. We are spending day in, day out, thinking about why the Cowboys have not agreed to terms to sign Dak Prescott to a long-term deal. We're going each and every day wondering why, and as days go by, we're saying this is only going to end up terrible for the Dallas Cowboys and one day we're going to wake up and we're going to get a notification we're going to watch Sports Center. we're going to watch Fox Sports and we're going to see the Dak Prescott is going to hit free agency and become a, a, a New York Jet a San Francisco 49er and the Cowboys now look for a different quarterback for their future this every day is becoming more and more of a possibility and right now if you ask me whether or not Dak Prescott will be a Dallas Cowboy or not, and where I fit on percentage-wise, I'm leaning toward the fact that he won't be a Dallas Cowboy next year. That fear is getting bigger and bigger each and every day because we are well into two months after the Cowboys left that field in Week 17 in their loss against the Giants. And 
Still, priority number one is signing Dak Prescott, and we are still nowhere near that. And each and every day, I feel like we're getting the hint by Jerry Jones in this front office that it's not happening and they're making excuses for it. I could be dead wrong, and as I talk right now, as you're listening to this right now, they could be signing Dak Prescott and agreeing to terms in silence. I get that. And if at the end of the day, I have to put my foot in my mouth and be wrong about all this, gladly, because I want to see Dak Prescott as a Cowboy next year, because I think he's the guy. I think he is the guy to lead this Cowboys team to a Super Bowl. But it is Jerry Jones. It is Steven Jones. And they are just terrible at running this football team. They don't care about winning. They care about the money. So the reason why it would be a bad decision for the Dallas Cowboys to go after J.J. Watt is if you sign J.J. Watt tomorrow to a two-year deal or a one-year deal because a lot of free agents are going to go for one-year deals as the salary cap gets lower this offseason. To sign J.J. Watt to a two-year deal, one-year deal for X amount of money. You are now saying that a guy that literally came off of an incredible stint with his team that drafted him and a, a city that he loves in Houston now suddenly finds his way to Dallas in a matter of days after being cut, yet you've had Dak Prescott on your books and putting a priority asterisk next to his name saying we need to sign him or do we sign him or not for the last three years and you suddenly put J.J. Watt over Dak Prescott how do you think Dak Prescott's going to take that and it's really not a matter of what Dak Prescott wants it's more of how it benefits him and his agent in the long term and how He's being very smart, and he's knowing that in the next few years, this inflation about the salary cap will astronomically improve his value in free agency to where $40 million for a quarterback is going to feel like nothing in the next 10 years. He is playing it smart, and a quarterback that has outplayed Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, uh, Kirk Cousins, every single one of these quarterbacks that have earned their money over the last five years and have earned a ton of that money even though they haven't lived up to those contracts, a guy that has literally given everything to this organization and has outplayed every single one of those guys has not gotten his money. You are out of your mind. If you don't pay Dak Prescott, you couldn't gotten him for 32 to $35 million three years ago, but you didn't do it. You could have got him to 37, $38 million a year ago. Didn't make it happen. And now we're past the point of 40 plus and you still haven't signed him. This is only going to lead into a very, very bad breakup for Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. But the reason why is that if you want to pay J.J. Watt that X amount of money and prioritize him over Dak Prescott, who has given his all to this team for the last four years, you are now leaving a bad taste in his mouth. And now it's going to be drama in, in Dallas. And we all know what happens when Dallas has drama. It doesn't lead to wins. It leads to just dysfunction, to losses, and a bunch of talk shows in the morning talking about how the Cowboys are terrible again. But guess what? That still gets Jerry Jones' money, so maybe it's not the worst thing in the world for him. All in all, though, the media is not going to like it. Cowboys fans are going to like it because the argument is what I'm making right now. Oh, so you'll sign JJ, but you won't sign Dak. That's going to be the thing. 
And when we get down the road in the 2021 season, at the end of the regular season, and we see the Cowboys out of the playoffs once again, because they didn't sign their franchise quarterback and they went with Andy Dalm out of all people. We're going to come back to this and we're going to say, so they prioritized J.J. Watt over Dak Prescott. And now that Dak Prescott's winning games in San Francisco, winning games in, in New York or in Washington, in Miami, whatever. And they're making the playoffs. They might be a Super Bowl contender. You deserve this, Dallas. You deserve to lose because you didn't know what you had until it was gone. And guess what? We're back to square one of the Cowboys being the laughingstock of the NFL because they want to sign a great defensive player who will make them 20% better, 30% better, over a Dak Prescott quarterback that is the most prioritized position in football that makes them 90% better because that's how important that position is. And Andy Dolan can't do that. Andy Dolan can't bring that level of security to that position like Dak Prescott does. So all in all, I think this is a lose-lose for for the Dallas-JJ Watt deal if that ends up happening. Am I going to be happy that they sign him? Yeah, because he's a great player. But I know that it'll lead to bad things happening in Dallas if that were the case. Now, if they sign Dak and then they immediately go and sign JJ... Well, then we just wasted like 10 minutes of the podcast, but I don't think that's going to happen that way. Look, I'm really excited for J.J. Watt to be in free agency. He's he's saying that it's wild. He's probably having more than 90% of the teams in the NFL going after him right now, and, and rightfully so. He's a great player, and he he fits any system because he's just that damn good at being a leader and a player on that field. Now, before we go, I'll just say one more thing. Carson Wentz in Philadelphia. You are not worth a first-round pick. You will never be worth a first-round pick because this is not 2017. Indy is willing to give you more than what you deserve. If Philly thinks that they're going to get a first-rounder out of Carson Wentz after the last few years of his career, you are out of your goddamn mind. So humble yourself. Bring your ego down to about a two and just look yourself in the mirror and say, I am only worth a second rounder and maybe a player. And that's being generous. The Colts are getting very frustrated. And if you want to end up having a competition between Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz at the end of the day and Nick Sirianni has to pick between the two of them, go right ahead. I don't think anybody's going to lose sleep over the fact that they lost Carson Wentz because they didn't give up a first-rounder. I think Indy will be fine. Indianapolis will find their quarterback because I know that if they don't get Carson, I got Sam Darnold just right above you, to the north of you, and the Jets are willing to take that offer for him. I'm going to look at a guy in the draft. I'm going to groom him. Or... I wouldn't be that wrong about Mitchell Trubisky coming to Indy because Carson and Mitchell are just really there, like, together. So, like, I I don't understand how Philly can be this egotistical and this demanding when they're the ones that have no leverage. They need to get rid of the money off their books. They need to rebuild because it is a new era in Philadelphia. 
and they don't have the gifts and the picks and the money to pick and choose what they can do. If a homeless man comes to you and starts negotiating about what he wants, look, not a lot of people are going to give you the time of day. And that's the truth. So pick and choose your battles. This is not your battle to win. Take the L, take the loss, take the picks, and just move on with your life. Because Carson Wentz doesn't look to be the future of the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't even think Jalen's the, the future of the Philadelphia Eagles. But it, it's over. It, it just deal with it. And take what you can get out of Indy because they're in a Super Bowl contention level and you're not. Just live with it. And you're not going to be competitive in this NFC East. Actually, let me take that back because anybody's competitive in the NFC East if you have 53 guys on the roster. We saw last season that anybody's competitive in that division. Pick your battles. This isn't the right one. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bubble Let Sports Podcast. I am so happy to be back, and I'm so glad to put out a podcast for you guys. I talked really fast in this episode, but I just had a lot in my mind. had a lot to get off my chest. I'm going to enjoy my power. I'm going to enjoy playing video games. And I will see you next time on the Bubble Let Sports Podcast. Yeah, hold on. Tell me who's your top five quarterbacks right now, dead or alive, huh? And how much do you care about a ring if the best player got carried by the team? Mm.